0: Chapters twenty-one through twenty-three of *A House of Gentlefolk* by Ivan Turgenev, translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter twenty-one. In the course of a fortnight, Fedor Ivanitch had brought Glafira Petrovna's little house into order and had cleared the courtyard and the garden, from Lavriki comfortable furniture was sent him from the town wine books and papers horses made their appearance in the stable in brief fedor ivanitch provided himself with everything necessary and began to live not precisely after the manner of a country landowner nor precisely after the manner of a hermit his days passed monotonously but he was not bored though he saw no one he set diligently and attentively to work at farming his estate rode about the neighbourhood and did some reading he read little however he found it pleasanter to listen to the tales of old anton lavretsky usually sat at the window with a pipe and a cup of cold tea Anton stood at the door, his hands crossed behind him, and began upon his slow, deliberate stories of old times, of those fabulous times when oats and rye were not sold by measure, but in great sacks, at two or three farthings a sack, when there were impassable forests, virgin steps stretching on every side, even close to the town and now complained the old man whose eightieth year had passed there has been so much clearing so much ploughing everywhere there's nowhere you may drive now anton used to tell many stories too of his mistress glafira petrovna how prudent and saving she was how a certain gentleman a young neighbour had paid her court and used to ride over to see her, and how she was even pleased to put on her best cap with ribbons of salmon colour, and her yellow gown of true-true levantine for him, but how later on she had been angry with the gentleman neighbour for his unseemly inquiry, what, madam, pray, might be your fortune, and had bade them refuse him the house. And how it was then that she had given directions that after her disease everything to the last rag should pass to Fyodor Ivanitch. And indeed, Lavretsky found all his aunt's household goods intact, not excepting the best cap with ribbons of salmon colour and the yellow gown of true, true Levantine. Of old papers and interesting documents, upon which Lavretsky had reckoned, there seemed no trace, except one old book, in which his grandfather, Pyotr Andreevich, had inscribed in one place, Celebration in the City of St. Petersburg of the Peace, concluded with the Turkish Empire by His Excellency Prince Alexander Alexandrovich Prozorovsky in another place a recipe for a pectoral decoction with the comment this recipe was given to the general's lady Praskovia fedorovna soltikov by the chief priest of the church of the life-giving trinity Fyodor Avksentievich. in another a piece of political news of this kind somewhat less talk of the french tigers and next this entry in the moscow gazette an announcement of the death of mr senior major mihal petrovich kolachev is not this the son of Pyotr vasilievich kolachev lavretsky found also some old calendars and dream-books and the mysterious work of Ambodik. many were the memories stirred by the well-known but long-forgotten symbols and emblems In Glaferi Petrovna's little dressing-table, Lavretsky found a small packet, tied up with black ribbon, sealed with black sealing-wax, and thrust away in the very farthest corner of the drawer. In the parcel, there lay face to face a portrait, in pastel, of his father in his youth, with effeminate curls, straying over his brow, with almond-shaped languid eyes and parted lips and a portrait almost effaced of a pale woman in a white dress with a white rose in her hand his mother of herself glafira petrovna had never allowed a portrait to be taken i myself little father fedorovanch anton used to tell lavretsky though i did not then live in the master's house Still I can remember your great grandfather Andrea Fanasievich, seeing that I had come to my eighteenth year when he died. Once I met him in the garden, and my knees were knocking with fright indeed. However, he did nothing, only asked me my name, and sent me to his room for his pocket handkerchief. He was a gentleman how shall i tell you he did not look on any one as better than himself for your great-grandfather had i do assure you a magic amulet a monk from mount athos made him a present of this amulet and he told him this monk did it's for your kindness boyar i give you this wear it and you need not fear judgment well but there little father we know what those times were like what the master fancied doing that he did sometimes if even some gentleman saw fit to cross him in anything he would just stare at him and say you swim in shallow water that was his favourite saying And he lived, your great grandfather of blessed memory, in a small log house. And what goods he left behind him, what silver, and stores of all kinds. All the storehouses were full and overflowing. He was a manager. That very decanter that you were pleased to admire was his. He used to drink brandy out of it but there was your grandfather piotr andrej built himself a palace of stone but he never grew rich everything with him went badly and he lived worse than his father by far and he got no pleasure from it for himself but spent all his money and now there is nothing to remember him by not a silver spoon has come down from him and we have glafira petrovna's management to thank for all that is saved but is it true lavretsky interrupted him they called her the old witch what sort of people called her so i should like to know replied anton with an air of displeasure and little father the old man one day found courage to ask what about our mistress where is she pleased to fix her residence i am separated from my wife lavretsky answered with an effort please do not ask questions about her yes sir replied the old man mournfully after three weeks had passed by lavretsky rode into o to the kalitins and spent an evening with them lem was there lavretsky took a great liking to him although thanks to his father he played no instrument he was passionately fond of music real classical music panshin was not at the kalitins that evening the governor had sent him off to some place out of the town. Lisa played alone, and very correct. Lem woke up, got excited, twisted a piece of paper into a roll, and conducted. Maria Dmitrievna laughed at first, as she looked at him. Later on she went off to bed. In her own words, Beethoven was too agitating for her nerves. At midnight Lavretsky accompanied Lem to his lodging, and stopped there with him till 3 o'clock in the morning lem talked a great deal his bent figure grew erect his eyes opened wide and flashed fire his hair even stood up on his forehead it was so long since anyone had shown him any sympathy and lavretsky was obviously interested in him he was plying him with sympathetic and attentive questions this touched the old man he ended by showing the visitor his music played and even sang in a faded voice some extracts from his works among others the whole of schiller's ballad friedelin set by him to music lavretsky admired it made him repeat some passages and at parting invited him to stay a few days with him Lem As he accompanied him as far as the street, agreed at once and warmly pressed his hand. But when he was left standing alone in the fresh damp air in the just dawning sunrise, he looked round him, shuddered, shrank into himself, and crept up to his little room with a guilty air. Ich bin wohl nicht klug i must be out of my senses he muttered as he lay down in his hard short bed he tried to say that he was ill a few days later when lavretsky drove over to fetch him in an open carriage but Fyodor ivanitch went up into his room and managed to persuade him what produced the most powerful effect upon lem was the circumstance that lavretsky had ordered a piano from town to be sent into the country expressly for him they set off together to the kalitins and spent the evening with them but not so pleasantly as on the last occasion panshin was there he talked a great deal about his expedition and very amusingly mimicked and described the country gentry he had seen lavretsky laughed But Lem would not come out of his corner, and sat silent, slightly tremulous all over like a spider, looking dull and sullen, and he only revived when Lavretsky began to take leave. Even when he was sitting in the carriage, the old man was still shy and constrained, but the warm, soft air, the light breeze and the light shadows, the scent of the grass and the birch buds the peaceful light of the starlit moonless night, the pleasant tramp and snort of the horses, all the witchery of the roadside, the spring and the night sank into the poor German's soul, and he was himself the first to begin a conversation with Lavretsky. Chapter 22 He began talking about music, about Lisa, then of music again he seemed to enunciate his words more slowly when he spoke of lisa lavretsky turned the conversation on his compositions and half in jest offered to write him a libretto hm, a libretto replied Lem. no that is not in my line i have not now the liveliness the play of the imagination which is needed for an opera I have lost too much of my power. But if I were still able to do something, I should be content with a song, of course. I should like to have beautiful words. He ceased speaking and sat a long while motionless, his eyes lifted to the heavens. For instance, he said at last, something in this way: Ye stars, ye pure stars lavretsky turned his face slightly towards him and began to look at him yes stars pure stars repeated lem you look down upon the righteous and guilty alike but only the pure in heart or something of that kind comprehend you that is no love you but i am not a poet i'm not equal to it uh, something for that kind though something lofty Lem pushed his hat on to the back of his head in the dim twilight of the clear night his face looked paler and younger and you too he continued his voice gradually sinking ye know who loves who can love because pure ones ye alone can comfort Uh, no that's not it at all i am not a poet he said but something of that sort i am sorry i am not a poet observed lavretsky vain dreams replied lem and he buried himself in the corner of the carriage he closed his eyes as though he were disposing himself to sleep a few instants passed lavretsky listened stars pure stars love muttered the old man love lavretsky repeated to himself he sank into thought and his heart grew heavy that is beautiful music you have set to fridolin christopher fedoritch he said aloud but what do you suppose did that fridolin do after the count had presented him to his wife became her lover eh you think so replied lem probably because experience he stopped suddenly and turned away in confusion lavretsky laughed constrainedly and also turned away and began gazing at the road the stars had begun to grow paler and the sky had turned gray when the carriage drove up to the steps of the little house in vassilyevskoe lavretsky conducted his guest to the room prepared for him returned to his study and sat down before the window. In the garden a nightingale was singing its last song before dawn. Lavretsky remembered that a nightingale had sung in the garden at the Kalitins'. He remembered, too, the soft stir in Lisa's eyes, as at its first notes they turned towards the dark window. He began to think of her and his heart was calm again pure maiden he murmured half aloud pure stars he added with a smile and went peacefully to bed but lem sat a long while on his bed a music book on his knees he felt as though sweet unheard melody was haunting him already he was all aglow and astir already he felt the languor and sweetness of its presence but he could not reach it neither poet nor musician he muttered at last and his tired head sank wearily on to the pillows chapter twenty three the next morning the master of the house and his guest drank tea in the garden under an old lime-tree master said lavretsky among other things you will soon have to compose a triumphal cantata on what occasion for the nuptials of mr punchin and lisa did you notice what attention he paid her yesterday it seems as though things were in a fair way with them already that will never be cried Lem. Why? Because it is impossible. Though indeed, he added after a short pause, everything is possible in this world, especially here among you in Russia. We will leave Russia out of the question for a time, but what do you find amiss in this match? Everything is amiss, everything. Lisaveta Mihalovna is a girl of high principles serious of lofty feelings and he he is a dilettante in a word but suppose she loves him Lem got up from the bench no she does not love him that is to say she is very pure in heart and does not know herself what it means love madame von kalitin tells her that He is a fine young man, and she obeys Madame von Kalitin, because she is still quite a child, though she is nineteen. She says her prayers in the morning and in the evening, and that is very well, but she does not love him. She can only love what is beautiful, and he is not, that is, his soul is not beautiful. Lem uttered his whole speech coherently, and with fire, walking with little steps to and fro before the tea-table and running his eyes over the ground dearest maestro cried lavretsky suddenly it strikes me you are in love with cousin yourself Lem stopped short all at once i beg you he began in an uncertain voice do not make fun of me like that i am not crazy i look towards the dark grave not towards a rosy future lavretsky felt sorry for the old man he begged his pardon after morning tea lem played him his cantata and after dinner at lavretsky's initiative there was again talk of lisa lavretsky listened to him with attention and curiosity what do you say christopher Fyodoritch?" he said at last you see everything here seems in good order now and the garden is in full bloom couldn't we invite her over here for a day with her mother and my old aunt eh would you like it lem bent his head over his plate invite her he murmured scarcely audibly but panshin isn't wanted no he isn't wanted rejoined the old man with an almost childlike smile Two days later, Fedor set off to the town to see the Kalitins. End of Chapter Twenty One through Twenty Three.